This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Qualify lessons in history and pop culture. I am your host, Stephen Trigar. And I am your other host, Brian Edwards. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you today? I'm doing good. This is a, a recording session that's going on a while, and uh, I'm uh, getting yeah. into the groove here now. Yeah, we're trying to record a bunch of episodes so we can get them all out in a timely fashion. Indeed, yeah. And today, this topic... I'm about to address is the lovely and actually one of both of our favorite artists, Vincent van Gogh. One of my favorite artists. I have quite the collection of favorite artists. Oh, do you know? Indeed. Believe me, I could go on and on about my favorite artists. I know you can. We've had had many personal conversations about... Which is why we thought we'd bring it to you guys, the listeners. Exactly. Slowly, though. Not all at one time. Yeah. One artist at a time. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll go insane. Yeah. We're already insane. We're already insane. We're already insane. (laughs) Send help. (laughs) Actually, Vincent van Gogh is uh, actually very very important to the both of us mm-hmm. when uh, when we first started dating uh we went to actually our first date was to the barnes foundation mm-hmm. here in philadelphia and oh well there's it's not a van gogh there are many artists there, featured there yes. yeah it's a very highly impressionist post-impressionism kind of museum and uh after that uh, our first Christmas together, you got me little tapes, uh, little tapes, little uh, little Van Gogh tapes, a, not not like like cassette tapes, like sticky tape. Yeah, they're yeah. all these fancy little art tapes that had all like Van Gogh designs mm-hmm. on them. And I'm actually looking at his laptop right now. He patched up one of his one of the cracks in his laptop with those fancy <laughs> Van Gogh tapes. I need to replace that tape. It's getting a little little worn out there. But even then, I mean. We've both been huge admirers of his work, and every oh, time, and every time that we get a chance to see anything that we, and then actually even then, one of our other dates early on, we watched a, a film, Loving Vincent. Vincent. Right. Such a beautiful film. That's ah, such a good film, and I'll I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but it's funny that you you bring it up. And you, I heard you you talking, and uh, and you said Van Gogh. That's that's Ugh, pretty yeah. much how. Most people will say it nowadays. So if you if you get confused by us saying Van Gogh, then just I'm know just, that that's we, we how mean. I was raised yeah, that's how I teachers. heard it too. Which is funny because when I did a a search on how to fully pronounce his name, because I I knew it was Van Gogh, but I was like, there's got to be a, w- a better way to say his first name or a different way to say his his full name. Because I was like, he's Dutch. I wonder if they said Vincent a different way. And when mm. I looked up his name, uh, I can't remember where I found the pronunciation, but all they said was Vincent Willem van Gogh. And mm. it, so it's Vincent. 
It's just Vincent. I mean, I I don't know how else you could say Vincent. I don't either. I don't I don't have a frame of reference for that. I mean, I thought than... it might be like French, or Vincent, or oh. something like that. But I Vincente, Vincente, <laughs> Vincenzo, <laughs> something like that. But nope, we're just gonna go with Vincent. But we're going to be referring to him as Van Gogh throughout the episode. So if you hear that... Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Get a better pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to Van Gogh into the back history of this artist. Um, he had a very short life. He lived only 37 years old. But is that really that young for that time? I feel like life expectancy any time... Like, back then was always kind of... I mean, it wasn't that early. He was in the late 1800s, so... I guess I guess that's not... Um, a lot of people at that time... Yeah, I mean, of course, there was there is life expectancy at a certain period of time, but I would I'm... imagine life expectancy in the late 1800s was at least 70. Um, yeah, so... I'm, I'm trying to... I always kind of get a... When it comes to, like, historical people, I always kind of find myself... Forgetting what time periods people live in because everything from a long time ago is like they're all at the same time. They're all <laughs> they're all just long time ago. Anybody past yesterday? I'm like, is you know, just... Salvador Dali was hanging out with Vincent Van Gogh and <laughs> Jesus was there right with them. Because I have no, I'm such a bad frame of mind for like yeah. time periods. Like I'm. I'm not like an idiot about yeah. it, but like to me, it's like oh, they were all around the same time, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, no. No, like Adam and Eve hanging out with uh, Picasso. Picasso, yeah. Yeah, like that's to me is like, oh, yeah, they're the same people, same mm-hmm. time period, right? They're both old. They're both really they're both old. They're both dead. <laughs> they're both old and dead. <laughs> but you know what's really interesting? As young as he was, most of his work didn't happen until his last years. Mm-hmm. So, but I'll get there in just a short moment first let's start all the way back at the beginning of his life (laughs) the flashback the flashback noises (laughs) so he was born in zundert netherlands and he was the oldest surviving child uh his father get get this name theodorus van gogh Mm. I'm going to name my first dog Theodorus. Oh, that sounds like a Harry Potter name. It does. Theodorus. Theodorus. Like they all have those. Theodorus Van Gogh. Yeah. (laughs) They always had those weird, like. I'm trying to think of one now and completely pulling a blank, but they. Yeah, like. uh, What's her name? Tonks. Oh, yeah. Nymphadora Tonks. Nymphadora Tonks. But that's, it's important to know that there is going to be a distinction because his father was Theodorus and Severus Snape. <laughs> his father was Theodorus Dumbledore. Yes. Not to mention all of his middle names. Anyway, anyway. that's a different topic. <laughs> his father was Theodorus and his brother was also Theodorus. So I'm going to refer to his brother as Theo throughout the episode so we're not gonna get mixed up and i'll just gonna call his dad his dad just call his dad big t (laughs) big d where does that come from big t oh big t i thought you said big d as a dog that's no that's a whole different topic (laughs) 
That's something different than not for this audience. Yeah. So, and good old Theodorus was a minister of the Dutch Reformed Church. So you know Van Gogh had a lot of religion in his life as he was growing up, which becomes extremely important for who Van Gogh becomes when he becomes a young adult. Um, And we can't forget that his mother was named Anna Cornelia Corbentis. Now, that isn't a... uh, It's a pretty good name. It's a pretty good name. And, And I would hope so if it was part of a family name that was prominent in The Hague. Uh, his mother was, it was almost kind of like they were the royalty of that area. They were very prominent, almost like a, like a merchant family level status in the Hague, uh, where you're not quite royalty there, but you're also extremely important because you have money. Yeah. Money, money influences plenty. It does. When you got it. When you got it, flaunt it. (laughs) Or, or, no, or not. Or not. Or you don't have to. <laughs> not anymore, at least. Not no, these days. No. So the name Vincent was extremely common in the Van Gogh family. He was named after his grandfather, as well as his stillborn brother that, oh. was, uh, that was stillborn the year prior to him being born. Rip. Uh, rip, rip, rip. Rip. R.I.P. Rip. Rip. <laughs> That's a G-Man by Rip. <laughs> rip. Rip, rip, rip. Uh, there were also many other members of his family that were named Vincent, including his father's oldest brother and his great, great uncle. So already that's what? One, two, three, four, four Vincents in his family, all within like very short period of time. So it's like, hi, Vincent. Not much, Vincent. How are you doing, Vincent? Like, <laughs> that would be too much for me. <laughs> um, there were a few nicknames. I think his great, I think his does father's have... father's brother that was nicknamed Scent. Uh, they just does he have Scent. a cousin named Vinny? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to imagine so, but we're talking about uh, Dutch culture. And... Do you know about the movie? I do. Okay. <laughs> The one movie that I actually know about. The one about. movie you know about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good movie. Yes. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I know what you're referencing. <laughs> <laughs> I like you're agreeing it's a good movie, and you're like, yes, it's a good movie. It's a good Never movie. Never seen it, but it's a good movie. Well, I know it's it's, it's uh, effect on, on our culture. We'll watch it sometime. We'll watch it sometime. Maybe we'll watch it, and we'll talk about it as an episode. Maybe. You Maybe. never know. We'll never know. Um... Well, beyond the Vincents in his family, art dealing was also huge in his family as well. I can't say there were any Vincents that were in his family that were art dealers, but he did have three uncles that were art dealers. Uh, and that would that eventually becomes really important because Vincent becomes Vincent van Gogh, the topic of today, becomes the VVG, the the OG. The VVG. <laughs> he he eventually goes and he works with one of them. To, that pretty much starts off his career uh, as in the art world. And speaking of which, when we're going to go back to his uncle Scent. Uh, at the age... <laughs> it's, it's a weird name. No, but... I, just, I just immediately thought of 
his uncle Cent and his cousin Dollar. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense, but <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense to have Cent and his Don. Wow, that's a tongue twister. It makes sense to have Cent and his young son Dollar. That's that. I don't think that's anything, but yes. <laughs> anyway, at sixteen, uh, young Van Gogh got a job for his uncle Cent at the art dealers Goupil and C in The Hague. Uh, after his training ended in 1873, he was transferred to the company's London branch. So hmm. he's 20 years old, he gets sent off to London, uh, and everyone who was in his life at that time thought later on in his life after re- uh, just kind of remembering who Vincent was always says that the year that he moved to London was the best year of his life. He was at his happiest and unfortunately it was at only 20. And then that year kind of just fell apart. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he became infatuated with his landlady's daughter uh, and he confessed his feelings of love for her and can you guess what happened next? Rejected. She rejected him. And then that's when his rejected. life went downhill. <laughs> Unrequited love. And the reason why she actually rejected him was because she was secretly engaged to a former lodger. Uh, oh. So she literally couldn't accept his love because she was already engaged. And uh, I mean... She could have. I mean, she could have said, like, I love you too, but no, she was already engaged. Different times. Different times. Yeah, I mean, now we have lots of lots of other things. I mean, we still have those, and they were always part of them, but now people are more open about that stuff. In a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, that really caused him to curl up into isolation, and he turned back towards religion to help him cope with the rejection. He definitely seemed like the kind of person who would like have one heartbreak and be like, oh, 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 I need to go to Jesus. <laughs> you know, like knowing him. He, he was because <laughs> after that, he really, he actually started having an even tougher life because he was so devout that people like, we're like, you just get get out, get away from us. You're 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 killing our vibe. That's how we feel with a lot of <laughs> religious nuts I know about. <laughs> um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, because of that, and he because he was so like depressed and everything, nothing was going well. So his father and his uncle arranged him to transfer to the brand, the Paris branch of that art dealer. Uh, where the year after he started, he was uh, dismissed uh, because of his resentment and disagreement with the firm's handling of the art and for just being an all-around bummer. Mm. So, yeah. No one wants to be around you if you're going to just bring everybody down. Yeah. It's some bad energy to bring with you anywhere. Yeah, you don't want to sell art and say... Please buy this art, please. Like, it's not mine. When I look at this piece, I see her face. You want to buy it? Please buy it please. so I don't have to see it anymore. I just 
really want you to buy this piece. Every time I see it, I cry. Do you want it? <laughs> Which, you know what? That comes becomes all too true when we get to actually him starting to paint his own art. <laughs> it's... Although you add in his brother who starts to do the same thing. Please buy my brother's art. Mm. <laughs> but before we get there, he was his troubling times were, were just starting. Uh, after he left the art firm, he went to try and get into the University of Amsterdam to study theology and become a priest. He was so devout that he wanted to, to attempt that route. He went to a Protestant missionary near Brussels in Belgium, but he failed out of the course. And so because he failed, he was like, I'm, I'm not giving up on this. So in 1879, he became a missionary in a small coal mining town in Belgium called Petit Vassem, uh, which is, I mean, when I did research, there was a lot that happened in that time where I'm like, oh, well, Vincent, you're such a good person, but the world just keeps, like, shutting you down. Um, can, I, th- can I real quick give you a, a, an opinion that's controversial yet brave? Yes, please. If Vincent van Gogh was a... In modern times, he would probably have been a neckbeard. Elaborate. Those milady internet creeps. Oh. Incel types who are just like... yeah. I get rejected once and I'm going to destroy everyone's other happiness by talking about how shitty love is. And No, actually, that wasn't how he went. I mean, he did go into the to, uh, into the priesthood almost and he became a missionary. But that's actually, it's a good thing that you bring that up because it was this period of his life that he realized that his his mission in life wasn't to be just a devout person it was to be someone who was going to to help this world in any way he could okay um well i take back what i said then good because one of the things that he did was he noticed that in his own congregation there that in that that town everybody was extremely impoverished um and he helped them in any way he could doing chores around the town and helping people uh and in one such case, he gave up his cozy lodgings at a local bakery and paid for a homeless man to live where he was living in that lodging at the bakery. And instead, he uh, moved himself into a little hut and he slept on the straw in the hut while the homeless man got a chance to live in the bakery. Hmm. Uh, but the church authorities were like, nah. You're soiling our name. You're bringing... There it is. Yeah, there There's the religion I know so well. <laughs> they said that his deeds were, quote-unquote, undermining the dignity of the priesthood. So... Because a religion that preaches love and love thy love neighbor... and acceptance. And help everybody mm-hmm. and give everyone the chance and, you know... Do as Jesus would do and help the poor is like, nah, why are you helping the poor? Yeah. Why are you helping the homeless? Why are you doing this? Right. Especially in such a town where like literally everybody is homeless. So 
So it's just, it's good to know that religion hasn't changed much. (laughs) So he saw that this was a huge problem in this town. So he left uh, the city and he walked on foot for 47 miles to Brussels. Uh, so that because he didn't have any other way of transportation, I can barely walk and, to my car out in the parking lot. <laughs> um, but he didn't. He after he moved to Brussels, his parents really started to put a lot of pressure on him. They said that he needed to make a living somewhere, and so they pressured him to return home in Elton, where they were living at the time, of course. Um, but immediately, as soon as he showed up, they wanted him out. So. It was like, please come home, but once you get here, like, get out. Like, just, what do you want from me? Like, his father was specifically adamant about him leaving. He even threatened to commit young Vincent to the uh, insane asylum in the nearby town just to get him out of the house because they didn't want him there anymore. Uh, I think... I didn't really get a whole lot of chance to find out why his father had such a hard time with Vincent. There was just so much that happened. I think that Vincent was basically, he had a very different idea about how the world works and being somebody to use his status as a way to help out those below him. And... I just don't think his family or pretty much everybody around him agreed with him on that. So, Because why would a, a well-off, wealthy family ever help out someone below them? Exactly. Why would they? But I think that is a good point to stop and take a break. For Ad a break. Ad break. <laughs> we'll be right back. Van Gogh is living in Quisem, Belgium, a place he returned to to live regularly. Right now, he's 27 years old, so he's tw- 10 years away from, from his eventual death. And only now is he actually starting to create the art. Uh, his brother, Theo, noticed that he was particularly interested in the people and the scenes that were happening all around him. Much like how he was always when he was in the missionary, when he was doing missionary work, I'm sorry. And, uh, and so then his brother said, you, if you love it so much, why don't you like start drawing it so you never forget it? And Ooh. so that's when. It's good to know he had a supportive brother. His brother was so supportive throughout his life. There was only one moment where I'm kind of like, oh, Okay. He took Theo's suggestion and he studied with a Dutch artist in Brussels. Um, And then that teacher suggested that he go and study at the Académie Royale de Beaux-Arts. So he registered and began studying anatomy and standard rules of modeling and perspective. And that was probably one of the best things because Vincent's art is 
basically mostly models like he it, most of his most of his paintings that we know as art uh, of of models and uh and just perspective and seeing well even a lot of like still life paintings exactly yeah like a, a lot of flowers a lot of mm-hmm. like still scenes of yeah things yeah so unfortunately after all that happened he would only come back to his parents again he says keeps coming back keeps coming back this time he was a little bit more occupied by drawing so he didn't have as much of a difficult time i think somebody saw him i think more people in his family saw him as doing something with his life um and doing something that somebody of his status should be doing um but then he goes and he screws up his life just a little bit more <laughs> Give me the four one one, as the kids say. No one says that. <laughs> well, it has to do with love, uh, of course. And this time, he was convinced that he was absolutely in love with his cousin Cornelia von Stricker. She shows up in the whole idea, and what does he do? He just randomly confesses his love. For her and front of their whole family. No one's expecting this. Yikes. Yeah. Tigers. Um, Yikes. And cringe. Yeah. And to make matters worse, she was recently widowed. So. Yikes. uh So she was not having it in any way. She was like. You're my cousin. I just lost my husband. I'm... It should have just ended with, you're my cousin. It shouldn't have had to even have a follow-up. It was different times. Doesn't make it any better. (laughs) No, it doesn't. So, after that rejection, he moves to The Hague uh, to try and sell his paintings uh, with his second cousin, Anton Mauve. And he, his cousin, was also a really, really established painter. Um, enough that Van Gogh thought, "Well, I'll, I'll never be like my cousin." And so he went and he tried to study with him. His cousin actually told him, um, "Take the summer, learn a little bit more about doing certain, certain things, and come back to me then." But that was a terrible 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 mistake because when he moves back home again cornelia is still there and he just wants to meet with her he just wants to talk to her he just wants to be with her remember when i said that if van gogh was uh, in modern times he'd be a neck beard <laughs> i might have to rescind my rescindication of my original idea that's the kind of behavior I mean when I talk about those neck beards. Yeah. They so, just don't say, take no for an answer. And if you say no, they just like spiral into depression. Uh, like, yeah. And spiral he does because what he does to try and get his family to allow him to talk to Cornelia, he sticks his hand in the fire of a lamp and says, for the amount of t- the amount of seconds that I can keep my hand in this flame is the amount of time that you are going to allow me to talk to Cornelia. And he says that to her father. And what her father does is be like, no, 
knock this off. He blows out the, the flame in the lamp and says, get, get out of here. Go away. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it didn't, it didn't end well for him. This is, this is where he starts to really. No one likes a desperate romantic. Mm-hmm. No. And, uh, Never, ever, ever. Um, kids at home listening, this is tips on what not to do with your crushes or potential love interests. Never do anything of these. This is all just a, a, a put this at the beginning of the episode. Warning do not listen to anything Van Gogh does as an idea of what to do with your potential future <laughs> love interests. Yeah, don't. Disclaimer. Don't don't do it. Do not ever think this is appropriate. No, and it only gets worse. Oh, lovely. Oh, yes, it only gets worse from here, but right for right now it's going to it's going to die down a little bit because he does move back to uh, his cousin's place, and he becomes a student for a while, uh, and for for a few years, uh, he learns how to paint with watercolor and oil paints. Um, but then their relationship becomes strained because Van Gogh wants to paint real people, but his cousin was only using busts of people as the subjects as the way to. This is how you draw somebody. We're going to draw somebody because it doesn't cost as much money, and uh, the the bust can stay in the same position the whole time, and they don't have to. You don't have to pay somebody to stand in one spot the whole time, making it more frustrating on you financially and emotionally, having to try and tell the person like stop moving. Um, but Van Gogh was like so, like adamant about using the people and giving money to the people off the streets, like helping, helping the homeless or the impoverished in some way by giving them a job to do for the day and giving them money to help them with that. And that's actually part of the reason why Van Gogh was so poor himself is because he was constantly asking people to, to pose for him and be their, be his model for the day. And that's why his relationship with his cousin who was teaching him kind of just ended. Um, it's unfortunate because it doesn't seem like that should be enough to end a relationship. Is yeah, a difference in an approach to art. Yeah, that again, it makes me feel like there's a lot of information about Van Gogh that we don't really know. No, that's true. There um, can always be more to the especially story. Because, yeah, especially because there's so much that uh, people saying like we know he had these mental illnesses, but we don't know what. Um, yeah, I know. I do know that there's there's often an air of that he would like people just talk about him as he was all this crazy, untreated, yeah, mental nutcase. And part of me wonders how right. Part of me wonders how much of that was uh, affected by his his relationship with many people. I mean, he had such varying opinions, and people didn't want him. Constantly shut him out because he was different, and uh, oh. that has to do, that has. That has to have be all huge on somebody's, yeah, mental mental capacities and. There's some things he didn't help himself. Out oh, of course, none. yeah, he didn't help himself in many cases, and <laughs> like sticking your hand in a flame and to sit. be able to confess their love to their cousin. It's just all, it's all yeah. Too much. Um. So. This is this is all happening. This is the clock is ticking down on his life, but. Yet he's still like getting better and better with his career. Uh, 
in the last seven years of his life was one of the biggest like it was one of the most active times in uh, an artist's life that i have seen he's churning out painting after painting nearly 200 paintings like a year uh and a lot of it is uh just stuff that little small things that were either bought or destroyed uh but the, f- the first few years of his actual painting after he's with his cousin studying uh, these watercolors and oil paints, a lot of it is really, really dark. His The major color on his palette was brown. Mm. Uh, that's a, a lot of those paintings that we from this period of that painting of, of the skull, of, of the, mm. the skeleton, um, a very faded kind of still still life of people sitting in in a dark in a, in a tavern somewhere mm. um all the names of those paintings are escaping me and i didn't write them down but um i mean i, I know what you're talking about not yeah. that people listening would know necessarily no but, but I, i'm sure that I mean, there there are lots of paintings that you look at that and you're like that's not van gogh yeah it's and definitely disconnect from what, especially the big name, the big name paintings one. that people know that bring big, vibrant, mm-hmm. into like, like crazily detailed, you know. Yeah. So, for the first time after so many years of his attempts to woo other women, somebody actually falls in love with him. Uh, her name was Margot. Oh no! <laughs> and. Unfortunately, their families, I mean, I'm sure that they had their reasons, um, but their families, both of their families refused to let them marry. And this is this is where I'm sure true love exists, because after Margot gets the rejection from her family, she goes crazy and she tries to attempt to commit suicide um, by strychnine poisoning. Hmm. Uh, but the only reason why she survived was because Van Gogh found her poisoning herself, rushed her to the hospital, and they pumped her stomach. Um, but then shortly after, his dad died of a heart attack. So he's oh. like, I don't know what to do. My dad just died. My lover is recovering from strychnine poisoning. I don't know what to do. So his brother Theo steps in tries to be as much of a support as he can uh, and tries to draw Vincent's attention away from personal life into a more professional life by uh, get selling his paintings, trying to exhibit his works, and financially supporting him. Theo was giving him money constantly. Um, and he actually was the reason why Van Gogh's first exhibit was uh, was put on. But then another happy thing ends and another sad thing. He got accused of raping a girl. She Mm. was pregnant and the easiest thing to do was blame it on the local oddity. Uh, So they... uh, Don't you just love people? mm Mm-hmm. And do you want to know who the person that uh, kicked him out of town was? Who? The local priest. (laughs) <laughs> thanks religion thank you uh the village priest forbade him from letting anybody in the town model for him 
Vincent was constantly paying people to, to model for him. And so the priest in the town said, if anybody models for him, you get kicked out of the congregation. You'll never be allowed to come into church ever again. So, oh no, what a horrible mm, problem. So he had to escape the town. He couldn't stay there because his he couldn't survive on his work. His work wasn't was over there. So he moved to Antwerp uh, to escape and moved into a room above a paint dealer shop, which was quite convenient for him. Yeah, uh, he was getting poorer by the minute. His diet pretty much consisted of bread, coffee, and tobacco. I mean, I wouldn't eat tobacco, but. Um, I, I, I got it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much only eating bread and coffee and smoking tobacco. Um, but that's when things really started to change. His brother noticed how, how poor he was living. And so he invited him to move in with him in Paris. And so uh, Vincent and Theo live in Paris together uh, starting in 1886. Um, and this is the period where most of his most famous paintings come from mm. uh uh from this part of his life which is only the last two years of his life um he starts painting things like the bedroom in Arles or the cafe terrace at night mm. um and then the first of the starry nights the starry night over the rhone um and then also the sunflowers the, mm. the most famous sunflowers uh that wasn't those weren't painted in Paris, but it was painted around that same time that he had moved um, to there. He had moved from Paris to Arles after a period of time because Paris was so congested, and he was also starting to experience a lot of health problems because of his smoking. Mm. And so, living in a town like Paris, where everybody's a smoker you were getting you were smoking and you're getting secondhand smoke and exactly so he moved to all to uh to get cleaner air and so that's where we get most of those those paintings from is from that period of time and then after he moved to all um so yeah uh real things really start to pick up for him and uh that's when he becomes friends with uh Paul Gauguin, uh, which is a huge part of Vincent's life, um, especially in the later years. Uh, Gauguin is most famous for helping to instigate the famous ear chopping off Mm. incident. So um, Gauguin was a painter himself and he invites, Vincent invites Gauguin to come live with him. They become partners in terms of not not lovers. They become partners. Uh, They're constantly painting each other. Um, There are famous paintings of uh, by Gauguin painting uh, Van Gogh and vice versa. They are constantly uh, helping each other financially to support certain projects that each one is wanting to do. Um. And then that's when things start to get really dicey with them. Gauguin was 
a socialite. He he was also one of those people who thought he was better than everybody else. Mm. He was uh, he thought that Van Gogh's ways of getting models and whatnot were were beneath him, and his arrogance only led Van Gogh to believe that he too was going to leave him in his life and and abandon him. Uh, so that's when things start to happen when, with the, the incident where he's about to chop off his ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we don't really know how much of this story is true uh, because Galgan is notorious for being a huge storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the incident that we get comes from Galgan. Mm-hmm. So he claims that Van Gogh approached him with an open razor knife and threatening to to kill him if he didn't stay. Uh, and the fight subsides. Vincent goes home. Uh, and this is where we have the first real noticeable moment that he has some kind of mental illness because he chopped off his ear because he was having an, uh, he was having auditory hallucinations, um, mm. almost to the point of kind of, um, I'm not going to say this because was... he was getting voices, just telling him that everybody was going to abandon him. And so to stop the voices, he cut off his left ear. Um, and because he was so, he was losing so much blood. He was starting to also hallucinate. Mm-hmm. Um, so he took that ear and the, the famous story where he takes the ear to a woman. He didn't love her. She was, uh, she was a woman who worked at a brothel and both he, Vincent and Galgan frequented this brothel quite mm. a month, quite a bit. So in my mind, I'm kind of like, Oh, so he was losing a lot of blood and he could think of only one person that could possibly help him. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he visits her and then he collapses and he wakes up. And he, doesn't, he doesn't know what happened. He, he doesn't know why his ear is gone, <laughs> what, where he is or what happened. And, uh, yeah, so pretty much from that point on in his life, he was in and out of uh, mental hospitals, checking himself in a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he was at these hospitals, that's when we really get his most famous paintings. We get that second Starry Night, the most mm-hmm. famous Starry Night that yep. everybody knows that we have on our wall just next to us over here. Uh, over here, where everyone can see. Everyone it. over here. I'm pointing, and nobody can see. Uh, <laughs> um, I think everyone knows what Starry Night is. Like, the Starry Night. Oh, I'm sure everybody knows. But then they also get things like Cypresses, 1889, and Olive Trees with the uh, file in the background in 1889. Uh, and the Wheat Field with Crows. Mm. Uh and also, and we actually, interesting enough, we just talked about this the other day, the church at Alva, mm, which yes. it makes an appearance in the 
show Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, so these are all painted within the last, uh, at this point, last year, last few years in his life, uh, months, last few months in his life. So this is where we come to his tragic end. Do you know anything about how he died? Wasn't he shot? He shot himself. Oh, he shot himself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 It's, it's such, it's such a tragic ending. And so on July 27th, 1890, he shot himself with a seven millimeter Le Fasho a brush revolver. No witnesses at all. He just shot himself in a field, but the bullet was deflected by one of his ribs and it was stopped by his spine. Mm. Uh, one would think that if it hit its spine, then it's going to really cause some damage. But he was able to walk home. He mm. walked himself home. When house he was walking, the local doctors saw that he was bleeding. So they tried to help him, but there were no surgeons in the town. Mm. So the doctors just stood there and watched him die. The most that they can do is contact his brother, Theo. So Theo rushes from Paris to try and be by his brother's side. And he gets there and Vincent is in really good spirits. He's happy. He's really excited about starting the day. But as the day passes, he begins to fade. And that's because the bullet wound starts to become infected. So... 30 hours after he shot himself, he died. Mm-hmm. Um, his final words to his brother were, the sadness will last forever. Oof. Yeah. But we shan't end on sadness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have things that I want to kind of plug for myself in this. In Philadelphia, with Actually, in August of 2021, there's an exhibit coming to Philadelphia called Van Gogh, The Immersive Experience. Mm. Uh, It's supposed to be one of these incredibly immersive experiences. (laughs) uh, Who thought? Where they have projections onto the walls of all his art. And also they have VR sections of the experience. Um, And on their website, I tried to look up to see what I could find about it. But all they said is coming in August to a secret location in Philadelphia. Mm. So I don't know if it's just like, we don't know where we're going yet, but we're coming. But, or if they're like trying to be really, really secretive about this, this event. But they would also wouldn't need to be secretive if they were broadcasting it everywhere. I've, I know. Seen, I've been seeing ads for a few months now. About yeah. It. Yeah, so I mean, I'm excited. I might want to go to that when it when it actually comes. Yeah. Hopefully, we're we're at in, in a world that makes us feel comfortable going. I hope so. <laughs> but I also do want to also plug. We actually mentioned at the top of the episode the film "Loving Vincent." Beautiful film. Oh, such groundbreaking film. Beautiful. Every film. single fa- frame of that movie was hand painted mm-hmm. by a team of artists in the style of Vincent Van Gogh. In his later years. In his later years. In the years. later years of his style. That that very kind of spirally kind yeah. of 
single but it does it does also yeah. transition between that and like a any flashback scene is always done in this black and white oil painted yeah oh it's such a beautiful and film. again hand painted mm-hmm. i think it's the world's first hand painted like movie in in using oil painting as yeah. the, the medium like it thousands of hand painted frames it's certainly an experience oh, it's beautiful yeah go watch that film it's incredible and they make a point to highlight many of his big pieces of art like using characters that he's painted as characters in the movie right which i think is just really cool to the cool idea to incorporate mm-hmm. so that ends our episode on vincent van gogh already already uh, I have a few people I want to thank. Well, I want to thank you, Brian, for being my co-host. I'm so glad I could help you. <laughs> and I also want to thank Daryl Banner, who is the composer of our theme music. Uh, if you want to support this show, you suggest that you do on Patreon. For only a dollar a month, you can support this podcast. No additional benefits, but you Get the benefit of being able to say that you support this show. You, you know what you get, listener, if you support us for $1? What do you get? My thanks. Your thanks. My thanks. <laughs> but uh, if you do want to support us and get some extra benefits along the way, you can support us at $5 a month, which gets you ad-free versions of these episodes, and you get uh, 20% discount in the Alexandrian Media Merch Store. Uh, so go check that out and yeah, go support us. And you can do that on patreon.com slash reallycultured. Cool. And if you like what we do here on our show, Cultured But Not Really, you can check out other shows of ours, mostly Stevens, mostly mine, on alexandriamedia.org. Or just check out the Composer Chronicles, his uh, music history podcast that he does, where he talks a lot and also interviews people. I'm in on an episode. You have been in two episodes. You, oh, I was, I was, I was, I was a guest voice. You were a guest voice and yeah. also an, an interviewee. Yes. On yeah. my knowledge of my musical history knowledge, particularly about video game music. Mm-hmm. You were on the episode about... Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy X. X. Exactly. If you're interested in that game, if you've been a fan, I talk about the music. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You can find all of all of that at alexandriamedia.org. You can also support us by following us on our social medias. Yes, you can do that on Twitter, on Instagram, uh... Yeah, and you can follow us at Really Cultured. That is our handle, Really Cultured. Because we're really cultured. We like to think we're really cultured. We like to think that we are. And that's it for today's episode of Cultured But Not Really. I'm Stephen Trigar. And I'm Brian Edwards. And we like to ask you, listener, are you feeling really cultured today? Bye-bye now. Bye. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.